The following Dharma talk was given by Jody Hojin Kimmel at the Zen Center of New York City. Hojin Sensei is the abbot of the Zen Center and head priest at Zen Mountain Monastery. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, Dogen, the great 13th century Zen master taught that Zen meditation was not a means to an end, not a technique for achieving enlightenment, but that practice and realization were inseparably one and the same. Dogen said, Zazen is not a meditation technique. It is simply the Dharma gate of joyful ease. It is practicing the realization of the boundless Dharma way. Here, the open mystery manifests, and there are no more traps and snares for you to get caught in. It is simply the Dharma gate of joyful ease. We may not think that at this moment, but he's telling us it actually is. Over and over, Dogen emphasized practice and realization as being inseparable. Zazen itself, he's saying, Zazen itself, just what you're doing. Zazen itself, from the moment of our first beginner's instruction, is the complete manifestation of the awakened way. Just let that settle in. He says this is not This does not mean that the practice of zazen is a uniquely successful tool for achieving realization, but that zazen itself, from the beginning, is the complete manifestation of the awakened way. And this formed the heart of, the very heart of Dogen's own realization and teaching. And it does seem counterintuitive, I think, when we first hear it. And probably remains that way for a long time. That zazen is the gate of ease and joy. He's saying right here, right here, zazen itself, the practice of just sitting, deserves to be called a koan, an expression of seeming opposites that we are challenged to dissolve. What is it when there are no opposites in the mind? That's actually what's true. There's just relations. There's no opposites, just relations. So what do we mean by just sitting? The way Dogen thinks of it is sitting is walking, lying down, 
working, eating, speaking, being silent, that's sitting. Just means there's nothing in the world that is not sitting. Just sitting. There is nothing in the world that is not sitting. When we speak of just sitting, we're not limiting ourselves to describing a particular posture of practice or practice. We're describing a way of being in the world in which everything we encounter is fully and completely itself. It's just sitting fully and completely itself. Everything we encounter, down to a cupcake. Nothing is merely a means to an end. Nothing is a step on the path to somewhere else. Every moment, everything is absolutely foundational in its own right. We hear that expression, nothing ever fails to cover the ground on which it stands. So zazen, defined in its narrow sense, is seated meditation. But that's just one of the infinite, one of the infinite possibilities, possible examples of that, of this state for this state. At this time, it is the miraculous expression of the coming together of human nature and Buddha nature. Because our every action is also zazen. In Dogen's vision of the monastic life, mostly he created ritualization of just about everything that they do. (laughs) So he can bring that out, that aspect of life, that we're always in liturgy, we're always in ritual. The moment we put our feet on the floor in the morning, get our cup of tea, the ritual begins. Sitting in the zendo, working in the kitchen, washing ourselves, going to the bathroom, taking our meal, all ritual. Every action is zazen. And if we think of one of the uh, main functions of koan to illuminate and then take apart or deconstruct our habitual tendency of dualistic thinking. Um, So koans frustrate the intellect and open up more of that intuitive aspect of our being. Doesn't negate our intellect, but that's not the way through. We can't figure it out. It's a different part of what our mind and how we get to see the non-division in the ways we divide our life. Just sitting becomes a way of expressing 
the resolution of the koan of everyday life at that very fundamental level. That's the non-dual expression, just sitting. And this is what Dogen called Genjo Koan, actualization in everyday life. It is the elucidation of the Genjo Koan that Dogen utters his most famous summary of our life and practice. To study the way of enlightenment is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things or the 10,000 things. When actualized by the 10,000 things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and mind of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains. And this no trace continues endlessly. When you first, this is still Dogen, when you first seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environs. At the moment when Dharma is correctly transmitted, you are immediately your original self. That's Kaz's translation, Kaz Tanahashi. So condensed in all of that is the entirety of our life and practice. We begin, as most koans, with a dichotomy that is created in our mind between the Buddha way and ourself, as if they were separate entities, worlds apart, and practice were somehow a way of um, making the pair meet. But Dogen begins by saying that to study the one is to study the other. Rather than being opposed or incompatible, they are, in fact, inextricable from each other. Yet, when we sit down, and in the beginning, we don't know what the Buddha way is or the true self is. Our understanding of each must undergo a transformation. The Buddha studied his self to arrive at the same conclusion. All sentient beings, this great earth, and I, at this very moment, have attained the way. Closes that gap. The Buddha was studying himself. That's it. He wasn't like thinking about other I mean, other people were there, but he wanted to know about this one. And then everything opened up through this, knowing that this was the 10,000 things. That's what's realized. That's what opened up. The transformation begins in the next line of Dogen's teaching. To study the self is to forget the self. This is a strange sort of study that leads us to forget the subject of our study. To study the self, we forget the subject of ourself. I remember reading a biography about the artist uh, Robert Irwin, 
some of you might know him, by Lawrence Weschler. And it was called, Seeing is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees. That's the name of the book. That this kind of study, this kind of seeing, involves a loss of boundaries, a letting go of our stance or our position as separate, objective observer, and instead places us right in the midst of the very landscape we say we are studying. Right in the midst. Or we might say that when we attempt to study ourself, we find, as Shakyamuni Buddha did before us, that there is nothing we can pin down and call ourself that is not constantly changing. Remember, Pat Steer used to say it was like trying to put your finger on a bug and it just kept moving away. <laughs> Where's the, the trying to get, find the self? It just kept moving away. Constantly being con- constituted and reconstituted by ever-shifting interactions with the whole world. Dogen calls this interpenetration of self and world being actualized by the 10,000 things, being actualized by the myriad things. Actualized means being called into being or being made what we most truly are. Actualized, being made what we most truly are when we can't find any boundary between ourselves and the 10,000 things, our mind, our body, the bodies and minds of others, all drop away. And we each probably have had that to some degree, at some point, actually, in our vast life, somewhere along the line. Any distinction any separate having becomes a fiction that we no longer maintain. Where there is no separate body or mind, there can be no separate realization. So realization isn't something taking place inside my personal consciousness. It's not taking place inside my personal consciousness. Rather, the experience from the beginning, an embeddedness, it's just an embeddedness in all of life. An embeddedness with no beginning and no end, which continues endlessly. And Dogen's last sentence returns us to where we started. When we first seek the, when you first seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environs. When you seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environs. This kind of goes back to our misconception, our, our dichotomizing, our dividing things. Buddha way and self, 
practice and realization. At the moment when the Dharma is correctly transmitted, you are immediately your original self. The gap closes. The Dharma is neither far away, nor is it something that we had been lacking and now have found. Our original self, the self in the world that we have always been, is unceasingly revealing the Buddha way in every moment. Nothing was hidden. What we have found has been in plain sight all along. The self is fine. Leave it alone. (laughs) It's always been fine. Just our conceptualizing everything on top of that clouds it. But the self's all right. We don't have to adjust the self. Dogen's vision of the unity of practice and realization is often considered the height of a mystical view that we ordinary types can barely fathom, somebody wrote. So the record of his talks have come down to us in Shobogenzo, the treasury of the true Dharma eye, which contains language that's very elusive, seemingly paradoxical, ungraspable at times by any ordinary logic, right? In the beginning, mountains are mountains, and then mountains are not mountains, and then mountains are mountains. So if we stay with that, we'll see in the beginning, mountains are not mountains. Mountains are mountains. They're just a mountain. They're this thing that goes like this. They're a mountain. And then through practice, when we can kind of let go and drop off a bit, we look out and it's like, oh, mountains are not mountains. They're actually, there's no thing there that's mountain. It's got so much moving connected and fast and what's where's mountain where does it begin and end and then mountains are mountains we have the whole of it not broken up not relative not absolute form is exactly emptiness emptiness is form mountains are mountains i see a mountain but what do we call in mountain So what relevance can this perspective have for our day-to-day life issues? So let's go back to the beginning where Dogen introduces the practice of zazen. He emphasizes that it's not a technique of meditation. And that, if you can, that kind of paradoxical statement, if we can let that in, will open many doors for us if we follow its implications to the end, that zazen is not a technique of meditation. Because one of the most tenacious habits we have is to make something a means to an end. That's what we do. That's a very ingrained, unconscious, 
tenacious habit. And we treat most everything in that way. Like when I was a small child in the back seat of our car on a long drive. I, I like many of you, where you might have been one of those children who said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I don't know how my parents did it. My mom would say, just look out the window. Just look out the window. Look what's out the window. That was really good. Are we there yet? Where's the end of the trip? She would say, look out the window. You're seeing the whole land go by. (laughs) There's the sky. There's the landscape. Are we there yet? And that's what we do in our practice. We sit down and we're like, am I there yet? Where are we going? That means to an end. I've been uh, moving my living space, going through many, many, many books. And you know how it is when you're cleaning, suddenly one grabs you and you sit down and you're like, get into it, right? And this was that little book of... um, uh, the Zen teacher Koto Sawaki. It's a uh, homeless, um, uh, he has that um, popular book, Homeless Koto, right? He's, he lived 1880 to 1865, and he popularized the Soto Zen practice of Shikantaza, and he was the one who was known for saying, Zazen is useless. That was his teaching. What's Zazen for? He'd say, it's useless. It's useless. And people would be like, why am I doing this? How come I spend all these hours sitting? And he would just say, Zazen is useless. But if we truly engage that, I know I sat there for a moment. I forgot he had said that and who said that until I read it again. We discover that this thing he calls zazen profoundly useless is different from everything else we do in our lives. Right? If we engage that to discover this useless thing, zazen is profoundly different from everything else we do in our lives. It may be the only useless thing we do. I don't know if you're taking that in, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> our, I mean, our whole lives seem to be organized around one purpose or another, a means to an end. Everything we do has a purpose, whether it's to earn money, have a good time, do good for others. Most everything we do can be judged on some scale of accomplishment. How am I doing? And there's always an answer. Sometimes it has many decimal points. (laughs) Are we there yet? We're used to everything having a purpose. We may even find ourselves asking the question, what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose? I don't know, if you get an answer, would you tell me? I've been looking for it. Are we there yet? 
um, does the question even make sense? We don't even stop to think. What is the purpose of life? Oh my God. Um, We had a retreat here the other night and a woman asked me, so tell me, what do you do here? What's the purpose? And I was a little like, (laughs) you know, it presumes that Zen is a practice with a purpose. That there's a technique that has a purpose. A practice with something that has a goal. She says, does it make you calm or happy? As in the case of many koans, it doesn't help to answer yes or no. (laughs) Does it make you calm or happy? If somebody asked you that about your practice, um, do you say yes or no? I mean, you're right in the middle of, like, what do you say? If zazen is truly useless, the first moment we do it, just as Dogen says, we have entered into a totally different realm. We are instantaneously off the grid of means and ends, of progress and goals. Just what he says, zazen is not a technique. We're off the grid. We are in a whole new world where what we are doing is not and cannot be justified by something outside of itself or by what it's going to get us or where it's going to take us. We just sit. We just are. And perhaps as we sit, we realize that everything in the world, from myself to the morning star, is equally useless, has no justification, no reason or meaning outside of itself. And in our very strong, scientifically-minded age, there is a strong sense that everything is a means to an end. Evolutionary biology, right? Isn't that a means to an end? I don't know. I see it that way. Every aspect of our existence as as human beings is the way it is because somewhere along the line it might have conveyed a selective evolutionary advantage and so that took over. Our hands, our minds, our tastes, our smells all evolved in their current form because long ago Some of our ancestors were able to reproduce more successfully, more prolifically than their friends because of this granting new trait. I don't know, I'm making this up. (laughs) I mean, just, it's believed. Do we believe that the meditative state is such a trait? Maybe we make up a story that the first meditators were hunters who were absolutely still and silent when they stalked their game. The most patient, concentrated hunter might have an advantage over the competition. So that evolved. And maybe they could sit quietly in front of a fire and eat their meal mindfully 
So that evolved, that was strong, it had an advantage. Maybe the hunters became monastics or people who practice today. We're the hunters because it goes back to that moment of like we could be still and silent and patient hunting. So we still have that, that, that evolved and that allows us to do this. I don't know, maybe it's not a great example, but um, just to say it's difficult for us to step outside of a means to ends kind of thinking. Yet Dogen has shown us the way out of the cul-de-sac. The moment we sit down to do zazen, we can stop making sense. What we are doing has no point outside of itself outside of the moment itself. Tough one. We just are. We just are. We just sit. And in the very act of sitting, we actualize the completeness of the act itself. And we actualize our own full completeness, which is another name for Buddha. Giving life to the Buddha in every way. So just, just counting the breath. It's not to get anywhere. It's just in and of itself, absolutely complete. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as cushions, incense, liturgical instruments, Dharma books, and more, visit monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.